And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name's Ryan. I'm the new lead pastor here. And you've caught us at the tail end of a 10-week series that we've been doing called Spiritual DNA. And uh, if you've missed any of the weeks before, you can catch those online. You don't need the previous weeks to, to be able to follow along with us today. But we've been looking at the nine character traits that we find in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 through 23. And these are the character traits that the Holy Spirit is wanting to produce in the life of every believer. And here's the key. The reason why the Holy Spirit is wanting to produce these character traits in our life is because he wants us to experience God's absolute best. And when our lives are in alignment with his spirit, then we can't help but to be able to walk a life of, of favor and victory everywhere that we go. So today we're going to be we're going to be kind of tying this up, coming to an end. We're going to be taking a look at the ninth character trait of the Holy Spirit, and that is self-control. That's right, self-control. Uh, before we get into that, just want to do a quick little shout out. I want to thank Pastor Terrell and Kathy for being here today. Could you give them a round of applause? 18 amazing years serving this church, and it truly is, uh, truly is an honor to be able to, to, uh, to follow their leadership here. They've been such a big influence and, and encouragement to Andrea and I. And so thank you guys for, for being here today. Well, I want to start a new little, a little uh, tradition for us. And I want us to, uh, I've got a, a prayer that's up on the screens. And I want us to begin, I, I typically kind of pray this before we get into the word. But, you know, I was thinking this week, what would it be like if we made this declaration in this moment before we got into God's word, that we give him total access to our lives, to our heart, to our ears, to our eyes. And we ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And so I, wanna, I want you to follow along with me. This is going to be a declaration. We'll probably stumble through it the first few months, and then, and then we'll get used to it. But it's going to be something we're going to do every single Sunday. And so the, the prayers up there on the screens, this is a prayer that I would encourage you to pray from the depths of your heart. And I just want you to follow along with me today. Father... As I open your word today, speak to me. May I have ears to hear, a heart that is receptive, and the courage to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. Good job. Good job. First try. Good job. Self-control. Now, we talked about at the beginning of the series that Andrea and I were, were really trying to figure out who was going to talk about self-control. I I tried to get some other people to do it, and nobody wanted to talk about self-control. So, so here I am talking about self-control, and I, I think the reason why um, there is a, a, a struggle around this character trait of self-control, uh, I wouldn't even doubt it if there were some people that chose not to come to church today because they knew we were going to self-control. And I think the reason for that is because it's something that that we all struggle with. Like every single one of us in this room, it doesn't matter 
um, how mature we are in the faith. It doesn't matter whether we're kind of a new beginner in the faith, that, that we all go through life and, and we have this wrestle with, with self-control. You know, Andrew and I, we, um, there's something that we like to do. It's kind of become a tradition uh, in our home. Um, we like to um, have something a little sweet before we go to bed. And so, you know, back in the early days um, when, when I weighed a lot less than I do now, um, we, would, we would have ice cream and we would, we would put scoops of ice cream in, in uh, a cup and then we would fill it with, with ice cold milk and then chop it up and we'd make our own little milkshakes and we'd have those before we go to bed and then... Then it kind of gravitated to some different desserts, and then it gravitated to, to uh, bowls of cereal before we went to bed. And, and, and then we, we realized we have to cut back a little bit on some of the sugar intake that we have in our lives. And so we came up with this brilliant idea. The brilliant idea was when we were at the grocery store, obviously we were going to quit buying ice cream and all those things, but we would buy one of those bags of individually wrapped um, pieces of candy. So it'd be like, like an individual Reese's cup or, or an individual little, little two bar Kit Kat or, you know, you know, what I'm talking about those, those bags and individual. And we thought, here's what we thought. We thought that to try to curb the sweet craving that we would eat a couple of those every night before we went to bed. We, we put them in the top drawer at the nightstand next to us at the bed. And we had great intentions. Have you ever had great intentions before? And the intention was we would grab a couple every night and eat them and move on. The first night that we brought this bag of candy home. Um, when we woke up the next morning, the entire bag had been eaten and all the wrappers were all over the nightstand in our room. That's what you call a lack of self-control. And here's the thing is, is that most of us in our life, we struggle with this idea of self-control. And, and here's where for me and my own journey with the Lord that, that I really struggled um, for years because my idea of self-control was it meant that I had to try harder not to do something, right? Like I had to try harder. I had to try to, to better control the things that are in my life that I don't like. And so what do we do? We, we kind of we set out on this journey of self-control and, and we say, well, well, if I could just quit overeating or if I could just quit lying or if I could quit just cussing, if I could quit being so judgmental, if I could, could quit losing my temper. And, and I, want you to, I want you to hear me. If you and I had the power to quit, wouldn't we have already done it? Like... If we had the power to be able to quit those things in our life, we would have already done it. I mean, think about, think about all the times that you and I have, have woken up in the morning and we've said, I need to do better in this area or that area or that area. And Maybe for a little while we, we do it. 
A little while, we start to get better, but 99.9% of the time, at least that's what it looks like in my life, we end up right back where we started. My old journey with like weight has been lose a little weight, and then I gain it back plus five, right? And lose a little weight, and then I gain it back plus five. And it's just been this journey of trying to deal with that. And, and that's why it's so important for us to, to really understand what self-control is. And what it really is that the Holy Spirit is trying to produce in our lives, because, because trust me, that if self-control was simply just me controlling me, then I've failed way more times than I've succeeded. And I'm sure you probably have too. You see, today I want to talk a little bit about what self-control is and, and how we do it. But, but first, I want you to see the importance of self-control in our lives. The wisest man Whoever lived is what, what his, his kind of title is in the Bible said this in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28, that a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. That a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Friend, back in those days, in order for a people in a city to feel like they were safe, these cities would build these walls around them to keep people from coming in and plundering the city and, and, and stealing and taking anything within the city that, that possessed value. And so what Solomon is saying to us in this scripture is that in our lives, when we don't have self-control, it's like we're living our life and the walls are down. And anybody that wants to come in can come in and begin to plunder anything of value in our life, God's purpose for our life, God's plans and desires for our life. And, and, and we end up getting plundered by other people's ideas and other people's hurts and really anything else that could take us away from God's best in our life. And so if self-control is that important to us experiencing the amazing life that God has designed us to experience, then we best have a good understanding of what it is. See, for my life, being a follower of Christ for some 21, 22 years, I assume that self-control just meant me having to try harder just me trying to control me and all of my sinful desires and all the things that are within me that that I know are out of alignment with his word and and I'll be honest that 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 journey of of making this assumption that that self-control was about me controlling me that it was overwhelming like it's even depressing at times because it's it's something that's rarely achievable, that it's rarely sustainable, that we can control ourselves. I mean, it feels like it's a lose-lose expectation that God would have on our lives for us to be the ones in charge of controlling us. And then I came across this verse in Galatians chapter 5, verse 17, that, that helped me better understand what self-control is. See, self-control is less about 
you and me controlling ourselves, and it's more about who we are going to allow to control us. Let me say that again. Self-control is less about me controlling me and more about who I allow to control me. And I want to unpack that idea, that thought here for the next few moments. Look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. It says that the sinful nature, what does it want to do? It wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Look, these two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you and I, that we're not free to carry out, to, to, to be and to do what God wants in our lives. And I want to help visualize this, this kind of two forces that are constantly fighting against us. You know, last year, um, I was sharing with, with our congregation in Washington, and I don't remember what the message was, but I just remember sharing about just my own personal struggle with, with weight and trying to get to a weight that was more, you know, manageable for me. And, and so I, I kind of shared a little bit about that. And after the service, I had a guy come up to me, and little did I know that we had, you know, an ex-professional MMA fighter that was, was there that Sunday uh, for the service. And he comes up uh, to me afterwards, and, you know, it's a little intimidating when you see somebody like that kind of making a beeline uh, to you after the service. But he comes up to me, and he says, he says, Pastor, I've got a proposition for you. I said, all right. He said, I will personally train you in my gym if you'll let me ask you questions about God and the Bible. Now, for a pastor, that's like, I mean, there's no thinking about anything. That's like one of the best situations ever. That, that one, I get to be worked out by an MMA fighter, but secondly, is I... You know, being able to be in an environment where, where the questions that come to you are so innocent but real, you know, and, and, and so I, I took him up on that. And one of the things that, that um, about his gym in there is that there was a, you know, big place, open mat area that we did a lot of training, but there was also a ring. And this is Landon. This is our last Sunday in Washington. And um, I'm, like, I'm like acting like I'm all super tough and powerful. And he's over here really super tough and powerful. Um, but um, there's something about his gym that when you walk in, he's got, you know, this area that you can work out in. But on the right-hand side was a ring. And inside the ring, he would oftentimes have, you know, live fighting events. He would produce um, some of the lower uh, level fighting uh, MMA fighting events. And as I was just studying and praying this week about, about this verse and the idea of these two forces that are, are fighting each other in our lives, it made me think about the ring. It made me think about, like, what if on this side of the ring is our sinful nature? And the sinful nature's purpose, Jesus talks about in John 
10.10 when he says that, that the thief's purpose is to, you remember, to steal, kill, and destroy. The sinful nature that's fighting and wrestling with us every single day is on this side of the ring. His goal is to still kill and destroy our, our purpose, our dreams, our relationships, like, like um, our desires and, and hopes for the future, like, like, like still kill and destroy. And many of us have seen that. We've seen that in our own lives. Like if, if you're here today and Maybe you've got, you look in the rearview mirror of your life and you've walked through some, some difficult times, some bad mistakes, some poor choices, some, some addictions maybe, and you're beginning on your way out that you recognize that, that the sin nature in your life has tried to steal, kill, and destroy. For some of you in this room, you look back and continue to look back in the rearview mirror and you see family members, you see um, people that you've been connected with, that, that, that sin in their life has really destroyed who God had intended them to be. And this side of the ring, the sinful nature, is, is kind of those, those actions, the, the addiction actions. It could be drugs, alcohol, it could be pornography, it could be emotions and feelings that are critical and judgmental. It could be maybe this, this, this kind of um, way of living life where everything, you're fearful and you've got anxiety and you worry all the time. And, and, and maybe it's people in your life in your family line that you look back at that, that you just see like they, they live so short of, of what God's plan and purpose was for their life. And then on the other side of the ring in this corner is the spirit nature. Jesus talks about the spirit nature there in John 10.10. 10. He says that, that my purpose is to give a rich and satisfying life, that the spirit nature's purpose is to try to help us to live the life that Jesus paid the ultimate price so that we could have. Like so many times in our life, I think that we miss, miss that point that, you know, the internal question that we should all be asking ourselves is the way that I'm living my life right now, is it worthy of the sacrifice that Jesus died for? Like, like he died so that we could have freedom. He died so that we could have purpose. He died so that we could, could, could turn our lives around and make an impact in the lives of others. And, and so you've got these two different elements on this side. You've got that promise in Ephesians, right? That, that he could do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ever ask or think. And so left side, you've got the spirit nature. And on the right side, you've got the sin nature. And guess who's in the middle? You and me. You and me. Every single day, we are in the middle. Every day that you wake up in the morning and your feet hit the ground, you're in the middle. And these two forces are fighting for our mouth and the words that we speak. They're fighting for what we do with our eyes and where we allow our eyes to go. They're fighting for what we allow in our ears. They're fighting for our body. They're fighting for our mind. Every single day that you and I wake up and our feet hit the ground, these two forces are fighting for our attention and our devotion. 
You see, the sinful nature looks a little bit like this. The sinful nature is, is us making decisions that, that are more based upon feelings. We allow our feelings to guide and to dictate our life. And, and here's the scary part about feelings is that the Bible says in Jeremiah 17, 9, that the human heart is the most deceitful above all things. So when we look at the sinful nature that's fighting and wrestling for, for who we are and, and, and we find ourselves drifting towards making decisions based off of our feelings and our desires and what we think our heart is leading us to do, the Bible says that that's a dangerous path to take. And then on the other side, on this side of the ring, the spirit nature and what that looks like for us as we are, look at this, we're making decisions most of the time against our feelings. Now let me unpack that. On this side, the sinful nature wants to feel selfish, right? Wants to look at things in our life and, and take more of a selfish uh, path to it. But this side, the sinful nature says, no, I'm going to be generous, this side, the sinful side, says, I'm going to be prideful. This side is trying to convince us to be humble. This side over here is wanting to assume the worst in people. And this side over here is deciding, no, I'm going to believe the best. This side over here wakes up in the morning and wants to be judgmental or critical. And this side over here says, no, I'm going to be an encourager today. And so check this out. Self-control isn't you and me. It's not saying that we're going to stop cursing or stop overeating or stop being greedy or stop drinking or partying or manipulating. No, that's not self-control. It's that self-control is the opportunity that God gives us to choose who we will let control us. That self-control is more about not not us saying no to things, but it's more about us saying no to the sin nature and yes to the spirit nature in our life. And every single morning, tomorrow morning, when you, when you wake up and those feet hit the ground, you know it, you've been there because I have. We all wrestle, we all got pressures in life, we've all got things that we're wrestling with, we've all got hurts and pains and all those stuff. And when our feet hit the ground, we have a choice. Am I going to drift over here to a, a selfish motives? Am I going to drift over here to being judgmental or critical? Or am I going to drift over here and allow the spirit nature to control my life? And I'm going to be an encouragement. And I'm going to be uh, generous with my time, my, my treasure, my talent. Like we all have those kind of decisions that we have to make every day of our life. And, and I want you to look at something that's really interesting that God said in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 11, about this decision that you and I have every single day. Look, he says in verse 11 that this command that I'm giving you today, look, it's not too difficult. It's not too difficult for you, and it's not beyond your reach. In other words, you can do this. Like, I know that the self-control, I know that the challenge of you trying to control you has become pretty difficult, but God's saying that the choice that I've allowed you to be able to, to make, that you can do this. And he says in verse 19 that today I have given you, he's given you the choice. Look at this choice between life 
the spirit nature, and death, the sin nature. Between, when you look at this, between blessing and curse. Look at this statement. He says, now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice. Using the boxing analogy that, that heaven and earth, witnessing the, the, the spectators that are out before us. Hebrews chapter 12 speaks of this, that, that we're surrounded by this cloud of witnesses like like when we live our life, it's like, like those that have gone before us and, and your parents and your grandparents and their great-grandparents that followed Christ and are in heaven now. It's like they're on the edge of their seats in heaven and they're looking down. They're like, Joey, he's got it. He can do it. Like, come on, Joey. Like they're on the edge cheering you on that you and I would make the right choice. And look what it says. Who makes the choice? You make the choice. The choice isn't something that somebody else can do for us. It's a choice that only you and I can make. And, and God, look at, look at, you can hear it in the depth of his voice here. Oh, that you would choose life. God's desire from the depth of his heart, he, he's given us a choice and all of heaven is here watching and they're all just cheering and hoping that Oh, if they could just choose life, if you could just see that when you allow your life to drift to the sin nature, if you could just see the damage that that will do in your life, if you, if you continue to drift and allow your passions and, and your heart and your feelings to dictate the decisions that you make, if you, could just, if you could just see where that will take you and God's like, oh, oh, friend, if you could just live on this side, if you could just live a spirit-controlled life, if you could just allow when your feet hit the ground, when you feel like going here, that you choose to go there. Like God is like, oh, if you just knew. And, and, and look at this promise behind it. And, and, and I think it's why God is so passionate about us choosing life so that you and not just you, but your descendants might live. Might live. Friend, I've had a lot of stuff happen in my life. I love, my mom passed away in, in December. I love my dad. Like, he's an amazing man of God now. But as a kid, I walked through some stuff. I wasn't raised in church. I didn't really go to church that much. They struggled with drugs and alcohol and the whole lifestyle. I had my season of, of dealing with that too. And at, at the point of, of, of God getting a hold of my life and my heart, I had a choice. And every day I had that choice when I woke up that, am I going to go this way? Am I going to hold on to bitterness and unforgiveness because of the pain and the scars of my life from my childhood? Or am I going to come over here to the spirit side and I'm, I'm going to hold on to, to being encouragement and letting go and, and forgiving and, and moving on? And every day of my life I've had to go back and forth. And it doesn't mean that I've been perfect but the fact that I'm able to stand before you, the fact that I'm able to be able to be a mouthpiece of the Lord because I've given him my heart is because I've chosen this way way more times 
than this way. And I've had every excuse. I've had every reason why I could have gone here and I chose to go here. And here's what I want to tell you today. What God's saying here is that when you choose life, that when you make that choice, as difficult as it is, that it won't just impact your life, but it'll impact your descendants generation after generation and after generation. Friend, the life that I have and that I've gone through, my kids have not had to experience or go through, and their life is in a completely different place than my life was. Why? Because I made the choice to choose life. Church, if you want to see your grandparents, if you want to see your grandkids, and you want to see those, the the great-grandkids and those that come before or after you, walking after God and living God's absolute best in their life, it doesn't come by them starting to make the decisions. It comes by you choosing life. Choose life. God's like, oh, if they could just choose life. Friend, there is a generational power within our choice. That every day when we wake up and we struggle between the two, that every day that we go this way and we give the Spirit control of our lives, we are choosing life. That the days that we go this way and we allow our lives to kind of be led by, by critical thinking and being judgmental and just living in the world and partying and all the stuff that's involved in, in the spirit or the sin side, it, we move away from life into what the Bible says, what God says here of death. Like it leads us down a destructive road in our lives. So if God, just from the depth of his heart, wants us to experience that kind of of life, then how do we do that? Like, how do we we have the courage? How do we have the strength when our feet hit the ground to choose spirit over sin? Look with me in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. It says this, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. And then when that happens, when you're allowing the Holy Spirit to guide your lives, you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. What's the key? Allowing the Holy Spirit to guide our lives. And friend, this is so much deeper than asking God for help. Like I've been there, like, like, you got struggles in your life and you're like, God, I just, I need you to help me. I need you to help me. And my guess is, is you've, you've prayed that prayer plenty of times in your own life in areas of your life that you're not happy with that, that you know need to change. And you're asking God for help and you wonder why, why nothing ever changes. It's just constantly the same thing. And the reason why is because there's a difference between asking God for help and allowing God to guide your life. Like it's one thing to ask the Lord, Lord, help me to, to, to get over this, this alcohol addiction. Help me to, to quit allowing alcohol to just, just rob and plunder our family and our lives. Like, like help me to do that. But when you're at the grocery store and you're walking through the aisles and you're getting some food for the family and 
And the voice, you start feeling like, okay, I want to go down the alcohol aisle. And then the voice on the inside is, no, you need to skip that aisle. And you don't skip the aisle. You're not allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you. The Holy Spirit is there trying to, to help you bypass some of these areas in your life. And you're not receiving that. For some of you, it's the, the worry and the anxiety and all that stuff. And, and, and I've, I've been like, uh, I don't know, maybe six, six weeks now without watching the news because I just had so much like stuff. I was just so frustrated, you know, stuff stirring. And, and I, just felt like, I just felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, take a break. And so, so I've taken a break and I've seen just, just like, like life starting to come back into me. I mean, if you don't realize it, the news channels are not there to tell you the truth. They're there to get ratings, to make money. So the more they stir us up, the more they try to, to push our buttons, the more money they make. And we get so sucked into that. And we wonder why we just feel so angry and just just you know, yucky all the time. And maybe the Holy Spirit's saying, take a break. The difference between asking the Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to guide is that we, we listen to the instruction, the direction that He gives, and then we're obedient. And so I want to give you, real quick, and we're going to close with this. I want to give you three ways for me personally. These are not all the different ways this is what's worked for me personally in my own life to help me to be able to choose the Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to guide in my life. The first one is this, is accountability. Like for me in my life to be able to continue to choose Spirit, I've had to have people in my life that hold me accountable. There's a scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 12. It says that a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Friend, if you're gonna if you're gonna choose spirit over sin. When you wake up in the morning, you've got to have some people in your life that can help you along the way. You've got to have some people that recognize that you've been, you've been out of church for a little while. You've got to have people that will recognize that maybe the attitude's drifting a little bit. You've got to have people in your life that, that can be an encouragement to you, that can come alongside of you and put their arms around you and to speak into your life and... And in my own journey, what I've discovered is, is that it never works well to have somebody, and, and I don't know if this is the right way to phrase it. Um, anytime I say that, it freaks my wife out. She's like, oh gosh, what is he about to say? Um, but I never allow people under me in my spiritual journey to hold me accountable. It's the people that are above me. Here's what I mean by that. Those that are in my circle that aren't as far along in the journey with the Lord, that aren't as mature in Christ, those aren't the ones that I go to for accountability. It's the ones that have been there before. It's the ones that I look up to and that I'm like, 
man, I want to be like that. I want to be strong like that. I want to, I want to be able to persevere like that. Like this person in my life, like I always see them when difficulty hits and storms come, like they're planted. Like they may have some up days and some down days, but they're planted. And, and accountability is going to those that can look at you. And that sometimes it's an encouragement. And sometimes it's calling you out. Calling you out for attitudes or ways of thinking that are not in alignment with His Word. And, so accountability is, is huge. Another one for me that, you know, has just been kind of a, you know, a mantra for me is this, is determination. Like, friend, you and I are going to mess up. Like, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to fall short. The Bible says we do that daily. I don't care how many times you've, you've got to the end of the day and you thought you didn't sin. <laughs> we do it daily. All of us do it daily. But... In order for us to continue to choose the spirit nature over the sin nature, we've got to have determination. And one of my favorite verses is Proverbs 24, 16. It says, the godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. You know what the difference is between godly and ungodly? The difference between, between choosing spirit and sin nature, it's not whether we trip or not, because the Bible says we all trip. The difference is that one gets back up again and the other one stays down. And friend, it's determination. Like you know what God's done in your heart and in your life. And you're determined that, yeah, I may, I may take a step back from time to time, but I'm determined the way I live my life that I'm going to get back up, that I'm not going to allow sin, I'm not going to allow a mistake to pull me away from the house of the Lord, I'm not going to allow it to pull me out of my small group or out of my accountability group, that I'm not going to allow it to, to pull me out of the, the social connections that I need in my life to be able to thrive for God, that, that I'm going to get myself back up. I'm going to dust off and I'm going to keep moving. And then the third one and the last one for me is consistency. Consistency. You know why God was able to do what he was able to do in such an exponential way in the book of Acts? We see it in this verse in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, because all the believers, they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. The word devote means to continue with intense effort despite the difficulty that I'm going to keep going. Like we, we, we kind of, we're kind of in that season right now with, with COVID, right? And, and a lot of people, you know, with us in the Pacific Northwest and, and everybody was kind of pulling out. We weren't allowed to do church stuff and all of that. And, and, and the big concern was the elevated um, accounts of depression and suicide and all those things. I mean, it's real. It has made an impact. It's something that you and I carry, but... But have we allowed that to pull us back? Like, have we allowed that to pull us 
out of this devoted life for God where we're going we're gonna to be committed, we're going we're gonna to show up to church, whether it's in person or whether it's online every single Sunday, where we're going to stay connected to, to people that can help us build our lives and encourage us? Or are we going to allow this? Are we going to allow COVID? Are we going to allow the election? Are we going to allow these things in our life to pull us back? We're no longer consistent in the things of God. Friend, for me, those have been huge. Accountability, determination, a grit, like a grit that even if I'm going to make a mistake, I'm going to keep going. And then consistency. I don't know where you are on that spectrum. Maybe it's something outside of those three that that for you has helped you along the way. A friend, every single day, the bottom line is this. You and I have a choice. And one ring in our, on one side of the ring is the sinful nature. On the other side, the spirit. You and I are in the middle. And all of heaven is on the sideline looking God, from the depth of his heart, is like, oh, oh, that they would choose life over death. Oh, that they would choose blessing over cursing. Why? Because if they only knew the impact of that choice in their lives, lives their family from generation to generation. Oh, they only knew. Would you bow your head with me this morning? Father, we are so thankful for your word. We're so thankful for the last 10 weeks that we've been able to spend together and just beginning to, to look at, Lord, what you are wanting to produce in our lives. Lord, you want the best for us. Father, you sent your son to die on a cross so that we could live in it, that we could receive it. Lord, may this not be just 10 weeks of content and we go on doing our own life, but Lord, let this be a series, Father, that's challenged us to give you permission to do what it is that you want to do in our lives. Lord, tomorrow, when we wake up, may we make the choice to choose spirit for sin. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Maybe you're here this morning or you're watching online and you have never made the decision to choose life. Maybe you did a long, long time ago and you have found yourself day after day choosing the sinful nature over the the Spirit of God. This morning, we want to give you an opportunity, maybe, maybe for the very first time, to accept Christ as your Savior, maybe to rededicate your life to the Lord. But if you wouldn't mind bowing your heads one more time, closing your eyes, And if there's anyone here in this room this morning 
that you have found yourself so far away from the Lord because you have been in control of your own life and making your own choices. If you would love to get to know the Savior or get to know him again, can you just raise your hand this morning if that's you? Just lift your hand today. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. It is worth it. It is worth it to make the choice of life. Can we pray this together, church family, for those that have lifted their hands? Dear Jesus, I repent of my sins. I'm sorry for doing it my way. And today I choose your life. I believe you died on the cross and I want to live a life worthy of your sacrifice. Come into my heart. Have control of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we thank the Lord this morning and just celebrate with those that have accepted Christ today? If that's you today and you have accepted Christ, you're here in this room. You've rededicated your life to the Lord. Our prayer team's going to be down here at the front. We would love to pray with you. We would love to connect with you and encourage you in your walk. If you're online this morning and this uh, you accepted Christ today or rededicated your life, please contact our church office this week. You can message us on Facebook and we would love to get connected with you this week. Oh, church family, what a great day it is when those that have not been in the faith come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Let's stand together this morning. We're going to worship the Lord with one more song. We'd also like to thank you so much for your faithfulness in giving. As we don't pass the buckets anymore um, on Sunday mornings, we have we have boxes on the back on your way out, or you can give online. There's ways that you can give online on the screen this morning. We do have our uh, family Christmas next week. We're super excited about that, and so we'd love to jo- for you to join us next Sunday. And and then also we will be taking up a love offering. It's going to be a legacy offering, and it's going to be to do some upgrades in our children's wing. So just be praying about that, what God would have you to give for that. Well, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today. Now receive our worship. As our hearts have been opened and changed by your word, we place you at the center of every decision we make, every choice that we make. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and his church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.